Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, good, good, good. I hope you believe it. Um, because to the extent the Bible says that we believe what we confess, we can actually have it uh, in our lives. Today, I want to go uh, to the book of Isaiah is where I'm going to start. And then I'm going to read a, a couple of other scriptures out of a few chapters. We always do. Won't be a lot of scriptures. And then we'll get into our word today, see where we go. So Isaiah chapter 54 and we're going to read verses 14 through 17. All right, let me see if I can get on over there while I'm talking. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 14 through 17. All right, so we'll begin at verse 14. In righteousness shalt thou be established, and thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment thou shalt condemn this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. All right, go with me now to Zechariah. Zechariah, and we're going to go to Zechariah chapter 4, and that's in the Minor Prophets. You get past Ezekiel and all of them. Zechariah chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 1 through 6. Zechariah chapter 4, we'll read verse 1 through 6. All right, here we go. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon top thereof and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what thou would these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. All right, now we're going to go to the book of Amos. Go back a book or two in Amos chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 7. Amos chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 1 through 7. Amos chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Hear this word that the Lord hath spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Will a lion roar in the forest uh, when he hath no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he hath taken nothing? Can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have taken nothing at all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city and the Lord hath not done it? 
Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Last place I want to go is the book of John here in the New Testament. John, and we're going to go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And then we're going to read verse 5 through 16. John chapter 16, verse 5 through 16. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me not, or no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you again today for just the opportunity to come into your house, to worship you and fellowship together, and to share the word of God with each other. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us and inhabit what we do here today, that we might bring glory to the Lord Jesus, to whom all glory belongs. We ask it even now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. <clears throat> today, I'm doing a message that I've simply entitled Cultivating Friendship. Cultivating Friendship. And, and this is my thesis or what I hope when I get to the end of this. Uh, we cannot experience a true relationship with Jesus without cultivating our friendship with him. We cannot experience a true relationship with Jesus without cultivating our friendship with him. Out of all the scriptures I just read to you, I, I, I came out of there with putting this statement together that I want you to think about that I'm going to read. No weapon formed against me can prosper because it's by God's spirit that I live. But unless I agree with him, I cannot walk with him. And to walk with him, I must accept the truth of his word. All right, so think about it in that sense. No weapon formed against me can prosper because it's by God's spirit that I live. But unless I agree with him, I cannot walk with him. And to walk with him, I must accept the truth of his word. Now, what I want to deal with today, and this is what I'm calling cultivating friendships, what was so interesting is when I typed in to get a definition of cultivate, cultivating friendships popped up in Google. Now, what's interesting is that I already had that title. I just wanted to get my definition for cultivate. Well, why did that pop up, I think? Well, because so many people want friends, you know, and they want to understand how to, how to get friends and how to keep their friends and, and what to do. And so they're out there Googling all this, cultivating friendships and whatever they're doing. Well, the, the title had already come to me, and as I was looking, like I told you, this popped up, which just intrigued me more when I got to looking at all the things that the psychologists say and all this stuff people say about getting friends. But what's interesting about this is that I started, what got me here was over the last week, if you remember last week, I started talking about the Holy Spirit, and I started talking about how the Holy Spirit is a person, 
how we have to understand the Holy Spirit is actually God, that the Holy Spirit is one of the triune Godhead, one person. He's a real person. He, like Jesus is a person, the Holy Spirit is a person, and the Father is a person. They're all individuals. And many times we just tend to forget this. And although the Holy Spirit is never offended because he's just not, the Bible says as long as you're lifting up Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit's job anyway. He's not going to talk about himself. He's here to lift up Jesus. But I said we need to know that, one, Jesus said the only unforgivable sin was to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So if you can believe that you can blaspheme the Father, blaspheme Jesus, you can blaspheme all kind of stuff. But if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, God says that sin will not be forgiven in this life or the one to come. So obviously it's important to know what is important or pleasing to the Holy Spirit and what is not. And last week we went through things, you know, to talk about the Holy Spirit and all, and, and we saw where people lied. Uh, Paul said, you not lied unto, or Peter said, to men, but unto God. When he said, why did you come in and tell the Holy Spirit this? And he said, you've lied to God. So we saw then that what? Consistently we were able to show through the Scripture and prove that the Holy Spirit is God, that he is a separate person, though, and we need to recognize him, right? Well, as I kept dealing with it and praying and talking to the Holy Spirit about things, this came to my heart about cultivating friendship. And, you know, as I converse, at least in my mind, with the Spirit of God about it and talked about it, I looked up the word cultivate, and this is what it means. As to a relationship, as a verb, it says, cultivating a relationship means doing things that help it grow and blossom. So cultivating relationship means doing things that help it grow and blossom. And in my talking or just praying or the Holy Spirit as I tried to minister to him as I'm doing this, this was the sense I was getting, you know, was that in the day that we're in, the, the years we're living in now, the time we're in, so many people have changed really who God is really to conform with their idea of God and with their idea of God based on human relationships and how things work. And you always hear them talking about that kind of stuff. Well, God's pursuing us like this, and God loves us so much that this. And they're saying all these things that if you go and read the Bible, which is what we're supposed to be using to understand God, that's not quite how God describes what he's doing. And I think about it when I started thinking about cultivating friendships. You know, I don't have a lot of friends. And part of that is on purpose. I mean, you know, it's just in my, most of y'all are probably like that, maybe. Only reason being is because I, I, I don't like being vexed, okay? And, and the bottom line is that I can't sit here and have a conversation with you all the time if you really are always on the opposite of where I am. I, I, who wants to do that? You know, I mean, even if it's, if you were the wildest person in the world, well, then you want to find people that are the wildest people in the world like you, talk like you, act like you, be like you. And when you're with them, you don't have to feel all uptight. Like, oh, Lord, okay, I can't break my drink out now because they here. I can't smoke because they gone this. I can't, you know, you want to be you, whatever that means. Well, that's how I feel. I just want to be me. You know, sometimes people joke around with me, and I don't know if they're always joking, but they'll be like, look, if you go to work with pastor, you better eat before you come because he ain't going to feed you. Um, you know, they'll say, like, Sister Lori going to make sure you got breakfast and all that. She's going to all that, and then you ain't going to get much work done because you're going to be so full. No, I'm just joking. Um, but I'm like this. I just, I get with it, man. 
When I go to work, I work. And I just work until I'm done. And when I'm done, then I'll go get me some meat later. But I'm cool with people who do it the other way. They just can't work with me. And it's all good. I mean, I ain't mad. And I would never tell them nothing, but they just can't work with me because it's vexing. I got stuff to do. Come on now. We need to get going. That's how I feel about it, right? We need to do this. Come on, let's do it. Some people are like, I just am not like that. And that's good. Then you should hang out with people like you. That's what it means to cultivate. If I wanted them people as friends, friends to help me, I'd be cultivating that relationship. But I'm not doing that. Why? Because I'm not trying to do that. It's the same thing with certain other things. I'm not going to reach out and cultivate that because I already know what the conversation is going to be. And whatever it's going to be, I ain't trying to have them conversations. Okay, that's on this level. We all are doing it. Whether we want to say we are or not, we know we are. Sometimes you get through talking to people, you're like, oh, my God. Every time I get off the phone with this person, I feel so drained. Because whatever it is they're saying or doing just is not where you are. You know, you're just not wanting to do that, right? Okay, now I need you to think about that. You want to be friends with God. I hope. But the Holy Spirit said, people don't really want to be my friend. He said, a lot of people want my benefits, but they don't really want to be my friend. Because, see, if you're going to be my friend, then you're going to have to line up with how I think. Because, see, two can't walk together lest we be in agreement now. And if you don't agree with me, I'm the spirit of truth, not you. We ain't playing that game y'all playing out there. Because I read on the cultivating friendships, well, communicate your truth to them and let them communicate their truth. What? What? Do you, what? Ain't but one truth get communicated from God. That's his truth. See, God has never compromised on this. We're the ones doing this stuff. I heard a song the other day where this guy's singing about Jesus' reckless love. And the only place the Bible used the word reckless is for bad stuff. Jesus' love wasn't reckless. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he understood why he was doing it. Reckless love, y'all know what that is. That's what gets people killed. That's the stuff that ends up getting things happening to you because it makes no sense what you're doing. You claim it, and maybe you are in love, but what's happening is you're being damaged in the process. That's not what happened to Jesus. Jesus had to take those stripes in order that what? He might be able to deliver us. It wasn't reckless. He wasn't getting beaten, and, and there was no reward in the end of that. He understood exactly what he was doing. Whereas there's some people in relationships that are being domestic. There's domestic violence going on and all kinds. That's reckless. That's a kind of love that don't, that just ain't how you want to be living. That, that's reckless, not God, but it sounded so good. You know, it appeals to our senses of this thing about love. Like when people start saying, well, we're king's kids, and a king's kid makes you a prince or a princess. So then you start wanting to be treated like a princess when the Bible really doesn't tell us that here on the earth that we ought to necessarily be looking to be treated like princes and princesses, but actually to be treated like Jesus was. They're going to persecute you. They're going to do things to you, et cetera. Because when we set up these expectations that don't go with what God really says about himself, we get disappointed when God doesn't do it or God's not acting like we think he ought to when God never said he was like that. Here's, a, here's what I want to read to you. Out of John chapter 15, I want you to think about something here. I heard somebody say this the other day. Well... When God, God can't, Jesus can't do anything without us. 
So he needs us here. He's the vine and we're the branches and we reach out to the earth. He needs us. And I said, you you confused. You're confused. That's not, if you take those scriptures, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. He didn't say, I can't do nothing. He said, you can't do nothing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. If you don't produce, I will cut you off. That's what he said. That, that, that sounds pretty good to me in terms of understanding. Jesus didn't say, y'all are the branches. I am the vine. I love the world so much, and without y'all, I don't know how I'm going to reach them. There were instances in the Bible where Abraham went and lied to a king, and the king took his wife. And God showed up to the king in a dream and said, you but a dead man unless you get a man and wife back. That man woke up and heard up and found Abraham and said, why did you lie to me? He said, well, I was afraid you were going to, you know, you were going to hurt me. And, and he said, look, man, take your wife and all the stuff I done gave you and get up out of here because you're going to bring all kinds of problems into our life. God don't need us to communicate threats. God don't need us to communicate love. God don't really need us for anything. He has chosen us and allowed us to work with him, and he works through us, and then is even willing to give us rewards as a part of the work we do that he's already preordained to let us be involved in. That's who God is. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, and the Father are complete in themselves. They don't need anybody. They don't need anything. They don't need humans. They don't need animals. They don't need angels. They create what they want, when they want, and how they want. Because God created man and man fell, the first time God destroyed them all with a flood. Then he came back and said, okay, he had grace and he kept some of them alive. He said, I won't do that to them again. I'm going to. He had a plan. I always had this plan, right? But trying to get people to see I'm going to read something to you out of John chapter 15. I want you to think about this. Now, this is the Jesus of the Bible. This is what Jesus said, 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So Jesus speaks to them and says to them, you're, you're, I'm not going to call you all servants anymore. I'm calling you friends. He said, but you're not my friend if you don't do what I command you to do. See, so to suggest that God is my friend and I'm walking with God, but then I won't do what his word says, I'm really deceiving myself. This is why when the Bible says, you know, you got to do the word, because if you don't do the word, then you're not, it's not going to benefit you. But we also still have to understand it from the concept that because God is the word, Jesus is the word, refusing to do the word is refusing to walk with Jesus. See, it's like we've got it all confused in a way. Not y'all, a lot of people I'm listening to. It's like you got Jesus. You have God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you know, whenever we want to conjure him up for power and things we need and healing and blessing. 
But we got them, but then we don't understand. We got to do what they say if we want to walk with them and then get whatever these benefits even are. If you think of it in terms of earthly relationships, there are men and women. Some men marry women because of what they look like. Some women marry men because they have money. There are all these different things people are doing, and this is why the relationships break down and don't work. Because what? Eventually, you don't look like you always did, and eventually your money might run out. And the bottom line is that what? It don't work. If it's not based on a genuine, I like you, there's something about you, the person that I like. And because of that, it takes us through the ups and the downs and the crazy stuff and all the things that happen. It causes me to say, no matter what comes my way or how I feel about it, you are the one. This is what makes you say you come to the altar and you swear basically allegiance to each other. Fidelity and all the things you're saying. I'm going to share what I have with you and you share what you have with me and our lives now are bound together as one. When many times people are married the same way they seek God. <laughs> you know, in a way it's like beneficials. There's some benefits to this marriage that I took on and I'm always looking for those benefits. And if I don't get those benefits, that's why we always fighting and fussing and arguing because I came in looking for the benefits. With God, it's a little bit easier to have that kind of relationship because you never see him. And he never actually tell you about yourself except through his word. And if you don't read it, you don't know. And if you don't hear the preacher tell you, you don't know. So you can keep pretending it's all good. In other words, if I walked in every day and I never spoke to my wife and she never said anything back, I could pretend it was okay. It's all right for me to live with her and come in the house and never speak to her and go up to my little man cave. You know, I have a room up there with a little sign on it. She put it there, actually, so y'all know. I ain't put it there. It says man cave where men can be men. Okay, all right. All right, so I'm like, good. You know, I go up there, and, you know, I don't know what that means. I just go up there and be a man, you know, sometimes. Uh, my little weight room's up there, whatever. But, you know, I don't stay up there. I mean, if I came in every day and went up to my man cave and never came out except to say, hey, honey, what we eating? Hey, honey, see, I'm going to work. But she never says, you know, I got a problem with this. What? I, I, I thought we got married so we could kind of talk to each other sometime and we might could go some places and maybe you would come in here and talk to me. If she never tells me that, I could pretend, and I'm going to say it again, pretend that I, I think that's all right. Because common sense, I'll tell you something ain't right about that. There's another person in the house. Don't you think you should address that other person and talk to them and deal with them and uh, collaborate and uh, yeah absolutely you do that's what it means when you get married okay but with God it's easy because God is not down there because she's gonna tell me eventually yeah eventually one day I'm gonna come downstairs and she's gonna say you got a minute and I'm gonna say why what you need actually I need more than a minute but can you come in here and sit down for a minute and if I say well look I'm in a hurry I gotta go to work I know but just, I need you coming here Look, I, I'm a little tired of you going up there and you never come down here and talk to me. You don't ever say anything. With you. What's the point of living here if all we're doing is living in separate rooms? And then, and then I say, well, I mean, you know, I pay all the bills, don't I? And I'm doing this. Well, I don't, I'm saying, but if I was saying that, I pay a lot of the bills, don't I? And I do this, I do my part. Let me say that, I do my part. And she can say, well, right, and I do mine. But if we want to have a business, we should have formed the LLC. Then you could go to your apartment, I can go to mine, and we can just come show up over here every now and then, whatever we're doing, I guess. But other than that, why are we doing this? 
It's supposed to be relationship. We're supposed to be cultivating a friendship. And if I'm cultivating friendships with other people deeper than the one I got with the person living in my own house, something ought to be wrong with that as well. I'm not saying you can't have friends. Let me say, you can't have no friends. I didn't say that. What I said was, if you are cultivating friendships outside of your home, more so and with more enthusiasm than the one person you have living in your house, you got to wonder, why would you be doing that? But I bring it back to God. God. We're talking about God here now. But see, God is easier to do him like that. It's easy to get up and don't pray and don't read and don't do nothing. Just go on with your life and pretend because he loves us and we're saved that he's going to take care of us today. That's what he's going to do, right? God just going to, he got it. He got it covered. But I don't deal with him at all. Well, unlike my wife or unlike a husband, God does not vocally speak to us anyway. So you're not going to be like sleeping and all of a sudden, get up. And you're like, what? I am the Lord and I'm here to tell you, I don't appreciate the fact that you don't pray when you get up. I don't appreciate the fact that you don't ask me for nothing but when you need something. I don't appreciate the fact that you treat me like I am a genie. He ain't going to do it. He's very, God is very calm, the Bible says, meek. God is not pushing on anybody. The Holy Spirit is the one running the church. And God tried to make it clear to us how we should see him. The Bible says that when the heavens opened and Jesus was baptized, he descended like a dove. Holy Spirit ain't on you, no, he ain't going to bother you like that. He might nudge on you, tap on you, try to do whatever. And then there comes a moment where, they just fly on away. And I said that last week, that there could be some churches the Holy Spirit left three years ago. They didn't even know he was gone because they're so busy running church. See, 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 that's kind of why I like this morning when I started kind of going a little bit lower. Hold up, let's go a little lower. Why? Because I don't want to just be singing this song right now. What we're trying to do is tell God he's awesome. Let's, let's be quiet. He, he ain't deaf. So let's, let's just be, let's, let's give this to him right now. Let's we don't want to, let's, let's not disturb the atmosphere, let the Spirit of God work in our hearts, in our minds, right? So the idea is that God is, God is spirit, the Bible says, and then the Holy Spirit, as a separate person, it's like, okay, think about this. Now, if I met Lori and I told Lori, you know, I love flowers, and Lori says, I hate them, and I say, you know, I love ducks. I hate them. You know, I love water. I don't go near it. I love fishing. Oh, I can't stand fish. But she cute. Y'all know she cute now, right? I mean, you know, so but the question is, okay, but, 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 okay. But what, so what is the basis of what we're doing here? If I push past all of that and, and, and say, okay, it's all right with him when I want to fish, when I want to go look at some ducks, when I want to play with some flowers, she's not going to have any either comprehension of it or care about it. Then I'm going to get mad because these things matter to me, I see. Well, I, I know, but she told me she ain't like none of it. Well, I thought she would change. Why did you think that? You see, why, why do we do this? God ain't going to change. This is why when people, if you get people to Christ by promising them the greatest life they'll ever have, 
and God's just going to fix every single problem you got when you come to him. You see all the signs through the city. Try Jesus. Like I say, like he's some kind of deodorant. You know, you're having a perspiring problem, so you want to try Jesus. You know, this is not what we're doing here. We are dying, Jesus said, and on our way to hell, this ain't try Jesus. This is you need a savior. You need somebody to deliver you. You need somebody that's going to stand in the gap for you. That's what we need. We need a friend. We need somebody that when people forsake us and other things happen, somebody we can pray to and we know they're there. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. When things aren't going right and your money ain't right and things ain't right, all the stuff they told you God was supposed to do and it ain't happening, you know that God never leaves you nor forsakes you. You know there's something going on right now. You can't put your finger on it, but one thing you know, your friend is there for you. Some of y'all have friends like that. They may be your family members or they may be someone outside of your family, but you are so confident that they are not going to go nowhere no matter what. That no matter what happened to you, you are confident they're in your life because they like you. If they called you today and told you, I don't have a nickel, I lost it all, they would be like, let's see what we can do to work it out. Can I help you with something? Are you having a problem or whatever? And then there's some that your feeling, the way you feel about it is, mm -mm, I don't think so. If I lost my job being whoever I was, they're not going to call me no more because I can't help get nobody in school for them no more. I can't help do this. I can't help that. And so they're never going to call me again because I'm not really a friend like that. I was just somebody beneficial they could utilize. And once my utilization is over, then there's no need. Now, that doesn't mean that friends have to talk all the time and every day. So let me be clear on this, too, so we understand it. But my point is that what? People understand that, guess what? I don't expect a call from that particular individual or this particular individual. Why? Because you kind of know. But God, that's not what's supposed to be happening. Now, the difference with God is God's like, look, whosoever calls on my name, I'll save them. And I'm willing to be anybody's friend, but on my own terms. <laughs> and if all of us were honest, most of us are that way. And most of the friendships we develop that are not proper are based on the things I'm telling you. We're friendly towards certain people because we know we have really no real alternative. You can't stand your boss. You don't go in the morning and say, you know, I can't stand you. And because of that, I will never talk to you. So when your boss come over and start talking about their family and you know you don't care, you still act like, oh, yeah, that, that's nice. Show me that picture again, and you know you don't care nothing about hummingbirds. But your boss raising hummingbirds, and now you, you done read up on hummingbirds, and now you can even talk about them, right, with your boss, right? So the idea is, you know, I know that what? I'm in a situation that I don't want to make it seem like I just totally don't care about nothing because I'm in a relationship with you I got to be in. You got to do my appraisals, and you got to do this stuff. So we want to make sure that even though you're going to tell me you're being fair, and you're never going to tell me you gave me a three instead of a two because I didn't appreciate the hummingbird conversation. You're never going to say nobody does that. But they can find enough to kick you back down to three instead of up to two because what? You're so unfriendly to me, they say. They're not going to tell you that. I'm just trying to be clear on what I've seen in the world. Now, I might be, maybe I'm making this up, but I'm telling you, this is the way I've seen it experienced. I've seen people talk to me while the person is not standing there. As soon as the person walk up, they change their whole sound. 
And I know they should. I mean, well, we both know that's the ball. They're the boss. And sometimes when they walk off, I say, well, why? You could have told him right then. And they're like, you know I ain't going to do that. I say, I know, I know. I ain't about to do that neither. So let's just go on with what we was doing. But we know what we're thinking, right? And so you're coming up telling us. So, so, but, but we can't be this way with God. See, because God is like real. God knows everything anyway. He knows it all. So if I really don't like the things of God, I got to ask myself the question first, why? You know, because the Bible seems to indicate if I'm, if I'm saved and I receive the spirit of God, I may not be able to do everything God say I should do. I don't get it right all the time. But I don't know any longer long for the other things. Those things don't entertain me anymore. Those things don't, don't matter to me. And those things are more, they're more vexing to me than they are pleasing. They, they're no longer something I'm pursuing. I, I want to pursue Jesus. I, I want to, you know, get to know him better. There are things about God. I, I'm, I'm more interested in Jesus, not the benefit package. You know, this is why when people get older, they'll say, well, if you've done okay and you've made a certain amount of money, when you reach a certain age, they'll say people will quit jobs and go do what they want to do. I've always wanted to do this kind of work, but I couldn't get enough money doing it, right? They weren't pursuing the money. At that point, they're just doing something they enjoy, right? People will tell you many times, pursue your passion. Yeah, but sometimes your passion will break you. You know, you can't pursue it because nobody's paying you. Right? Nobody's paying you to watch birds. Nobody's paying you to watch uh, uh, animals that have been abused. But you can go to the animal shelter after you retire and all day long pet on animals and pick up animals that have been abused and do all kind of stuff because that's where your heart is. The thing about God is we have to understand and recognize that there ought to be something about God that causes us to want to be God's friend and to cultivate that friendship. Not just that God blesses people, not just that God gives people money, not just because God can heal me, not just because I, got it, I need an insurance policy. It would make sense. Jesus is a good insurance policy, too. If you believe it, I mean, who wouldn't want to not go to hell? I mean, hell, that's pretty bad. Um, so, I mean, it's good to have hell insurance. You die, and when it's over, you don't go to hell. Great, I get it. But what about Jesus? You know, in other words, here, you know, many times I've heard men say this, and I don't know if they really know what they're saying when they say it. I die for my wife. And I'm like, well, man, well, look, you don't need to die. Can't you just, just go do what she asked you to do yesterday? <laughs> Sometimes you're like, I ain't got time for all that. But I die for you. Really? Can you just take the trash out without all that fussing? I mean, can you do that? See, a lot of times it's like, you know, we, we got these big things we can do. But then the things that really matter, <laughs> them the ones that we grieving and griping about every day. In the day-to-day -day grind with God, people will say all the time, I'll do anything for Jesus. Right, except love your neighbor. Yeah, 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 you know, it's like, look, okay, you know, I can't stand you. So God has a real thing he's saying. God said, Jesus said, look, I'm making a command. He said, if you're my friends, <laughs> then you'll do what I command you to do. I command you to love one another. Now, that did, he didn't say I command you to like feeling like you like each other. He didn't say that. Because love is different than feelings. 
Love is action toward individuals, right? It's being able to tolerate and put up and, and, and suffer long and these things with people when normally you wouldn't do that. Normally you just dismiss them and walk away, write them off, uh, be through with it, whatever. When God's like, nah, look, you all got to understand everyone has different personalities. We all got different uh, uh, thoughts and patterns. And God's not saying we all got to live with each other. But what he is saying, at least, is that what? We should love one another in such a way that it would be understood that what? If there was a need that was there, people could look to the body of Christ to fulfill it. Now, in, in one place, and, and James kind of presses it out real well. In James chapter 4, I want to read these verses to you. James chapter 4, listen to what James says in verse 1 through 4. Now, he's talking to the church. He says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust or your desires that war in your members? You lust or desire and have not. You kill and desire to have, but you can't get it. You fight and you war, yet you have not because you ask not. But you ask and you don't get it because you're asking for the wrong reason, that you can consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Wow. So, so God's like, look, y'all got, got this wrong. Now, I'm up here, and I'm willing to be anyone's friend. That's what I've done. I have made myself so open to you all so that you all could really see who I am. This is why Paul told them when they had that statute and he said, it said to the unknown God. He says, him that you all don't know, I declare unto you. And then he told them about Jesus. And Jesus said, he that's seen me has seen the Father. I'm meek and I'm lowly and I'm this. And I came to realize, see, this is why when I got saved and I really came to a place of appreciating God, that's why I don't like hanging around arrogant people. That's why I don't like hanging around people who are always puffing themselves up. That's why I don't like hanging around people who always got to be in the, in the whatever. I, 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 I can't stand that. I'm not going to say I can't stand them, even though it get close, but I can't stand it. Because, but the reason is because my friend ain't like that. Uh, Jesus is not like that. Here comes Jesus. The Bible says being in the form of God, he was God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He said it on more than one occasion. I and the Father are one. I, I, I believe in God, believe in me. He kept saying things all the time about who he was. I'm God. But then he said, but I'm amongst you as one that serves. Jesus took off his uh, garment, wrapped himself, and began to wash his disciples' feet. I mean, some of these people that I go to these banquets with and all this stuff, man, they, would, they don't want to wash their own feet. They want to stick them up in some tub and have somebody else wash their feet. And I'm not talking about you if you like to get a, <laughs> I ain't talking about you, Brian, Brian. I know you get a little, Brian like to get them pedicures, you know. I ain't telling you business, but he don't be sitting up there like he a king or nothing. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about people who, that's why they're doing it, though. They, 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 you know, that's the feeling they want, that I'm like this baller. I'm like the one. I'm the one. Everybody's got to bow to me. This is why when people go to D.C., they can't take it. They go down there talking about I'm for the people. And before you know it, them bright lights hit, 
and you congressman this or senator that, and everybody chasing you, and you can get on a plane and go where you want. People going to kowtow to you. You can get somebody kid a scholarship. You can do all that, and all of a sudden, you have become the person. You can go on Twitter and tweet something, and all of a sudden, everybody moving. That power goes to your head, and before you know it, you're walking around, and you expect me to do it. You come in God's house and expect me to acknowledge you other than someone else that I might acknowledge. Why am I acknowledging you? Well, because you big, big time. I'm going to acknowledge you so the people can hear you. Matter of fact, maybe I should even let you come up and say a word. You're in the wrong place. I remember I got in trouble one time. I say trouble, you know, they called it trouble. And the pastor told me, he came up after this funeral, and he said, you know, pastor, you got to change some stuff you be doing. I said, really, like what? He said, well, you know, you, you don't hardly acknowledge nobody. He said, all you did was acknowledge the family. What about all the preachers up in here? I said, what about them? You need to acknowledge them. I said, why? He said, because that's just proper protocol. I said, well, that's good. Well, when you go to your church, you do that. Here, we acknowledge Jesus, and that's it. Even when I go to churches sometime and they'll do that. Where are any ministers in here? I just stay, I be crawling all up under the bench because I'm not trying to be getting up and you got to take it. Well, we want to acknowledge. You don't need to acknowledge me. I am just here. I am just a person God chose to preach. That's who I am. That's how Jesus was. Jesus said, Jesus talked about this. He says, you have people who love to make these long prayers, and they're doing all this stuff and to be called uh, 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 rabbi, rabbi. Dear God, blessed and savior of all the world, manipulate one, manufacturer of all things, the one who can and will and should and all that can be, we call upon you today. They don't take all that. But people like that. People like this kind of stuff, and Jesus ain't like that. So that's why I have, I have a very hard time dealing with people like that, because I can't relate to you. Now, if Jesus was standing here, I think I could, this is why I got a box in the back. Jesus said when they were throwing their stuff, the Bible says Jesus went and sat by the box. He said, and they were throwing stuff in. And he said, then a widow came, and she threw in whatever she did. And Jesus said, you see all these big gifts people have thrown in? He said, this widow has thrown in more than them all because she threw in everything she had out of her need. He said, these other people throwing out of their abundance. He said, we look at abundance. We look at the amount versus where it came from. And is it need? And although that's important that we have these things, I get all that, but Jesus sat by the box. So my thing was always, if Jesus saw gifting from a heart perspective, and Jesus kept saying, you know, this widow is given more than them all, and, and there was no fanfare, no pomp back there, anything, then that, I want it to be the same way. I want it to be no pomp, no fanfare, whatever. People do what they feel out of their heart and let God do what he do. Why? Because that's how Jesus did. That's what they were doing. Now, what does this mean? It then means that I start changing my thought pattern about the Holy Spirit and saying, and God, do I want to be God's friend? See, instead of seeing the word as, oh, God, or instead of seeing, like, oh, I forgot to pray, or you in the bed. And before, before you go to sleep, it's like, oh, God, I forgot to pray. And Lord, please don't make you have to get out to bed. <laughs> like, that's a job, you know. You'll get out to go to work now, right? 
but please don't make me have to get out. And they're going to be researching on why. Do you have to get on your knees to pray? Is it all right to pray in bed? Why, why are you asking Google that question? Because you got that question in your mind. And, and that's because the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, he ain't saying you can't stay there. Don't leave say, Pastor, say you can't pray in the bed. I'm just asking you what your wife say if you walk in and say, here. That's what you say, here. Whatever it is, here. That, here. Here. It's her birthday present, here. Valentine, here. 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 Well, do I have to look at you when I give it to you? Is there some certain way I have to be standing when I give it to you? And every man, let me make it clear to you, yes. Yes, you need to look at her when you're doing it. And yes, you need to stand like it matter. You should stand like it matters. You don't be like, you know, you look at, well, this stand look like, you know, I'm sick of doing this is what it is. And you know what you're going to hear next, right? Don't say it. Yeah, I know y'all won't say it, but I'm going to say it. You can keep that. Just go on, keep it. If you don't want to give it to me like that, just keep it. I, I don't need it like that. I'm good. I'm good. That's just what people say. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> when you hear I'm good, some, you need to change what you're doing. You got to fix it. You got to think about what you're doing because they're not good. It's not good. And God, it's the same way, but God's not responding. You don't hear him say that. Uh, you know, well, Lord, I, I'm, a, I, I'm just going to pray here because I'm so tired. I'm good. That's probably what he's saying. I'm good. <laughs> now, you ain't got to offer that to me. I'm good. I throw up a prayer on my way, you know. I got somewhere to go. Let me throw it up right quick. You know, and, and then we all say all these kind of things. God don't have a problem, you know, if you just pray on the way to work. God ain't got a problem with your praying in the car. God ain't got a problem with your praying on the toilet. God ain't got a problem with your praying in the bathtub. No, he don't. But if that's how we do it, it's catching him when we can't do nothing else. I'm about to sleep. Well, let me throw him up one. I'm sitting here in the chamber. Well, well I forgot my newspaper. Ain't no book in here. Well, let me pray. Really? I'm in the bathtub. I'm going to pray. I'm driving. Well, what else you going to do? I'm listening to some music. Okay, well, I'll pray. But what about that time that matters when you say, okay, God, See, I'm telling you, it's like being in a relationship, and the only time you're getting from your significant one is the time that don't matter. You know, I'm in that toilet. Laurie! <laughs> get in here! And she come running in. What? Get a seat. <laughs> I want to talk to you. I mean, really? This your time you won't talk to me. You see, you, you, and in our relationship, we can see why we'd be like offended by such a thing. Oh, no, no, oh, no, I don't think so. Well, God, I'm thinking, okay, here's God. God, but, but the way people have made God today, we keep believing some kind of way God is still chasing us and he trying to get to us and he following us and that he just living on us. And, oh, Lord, I, you know, when we pray sometime, and I've told him this one time in prayer, God, prick the hearts of those who are not praying. Okay, keep on. You're going to prick and it's going to blow up. That's what's going to happen. You don't want God to prick your heart. And you don't want that. What you want to do is just go pray. Pray. Seek the Lord. He said, look, seek me while I may be found. That's what the Lord says. He's like, look. And so my thing is, Lord, I want to develop my relationship with you. But every time you say that, the word comes right back at you. It's like, do what I say then. 
See, people want Jesus. They want Jesus. I love you, Lord, they say. And the Lord's like, that's wonderful. If you love me, keep my commandments. My first commandment to you is love your neighbor as yourself. Now, remember that little discussion you and your wife just had? Get back in there and apologize. I love you, Lord. You can ignore that voice. But his thing is, look, I'm not interested. Look, this vertical relationship was intended to repair the horizontal ones. If all I have is a vertical relationship with God and I don't have a horizontal relationship, something is not right. I got to understand. That's why God said, how can two walk together lest they be aggrieved? This is why there's so much divorce. People come, they get married, and then they get all disagreeable with each other. And some of them disagreements they had before they got married. They just never resolve them. And then they get married, and now the, com- the disagreement is just all they can focus on now. Because at least before you get married, you had marriage. The wedding is coming. There was something else to focus on, right? But once that happens and it's over and we go home, we at home now. And we got to deal with these differences that we have. And the reason a Christian marriage ought to survive more so is because we have a friend in the middle who keeps pointing us back to each other when we want to say to him, I've had enough and I believe you want to bless me and I'm not happy. And he says, if you really want to be happy, you're going to have to do what I tell you. Now I'm going to need you to go deal with that situation. <laughs> you know? and that's how God does it. And ultimately what it ends up doing is it forces me back to the table if I do it God's way. If I don't, don't mean God ain't going to forgive me. Don't mean God's going to hate me all my life. That's not true. God will forgive me. But that's not the point. The point is that if God says, I hate divorce, then that means that the one I had, I cannot sit around when I've had divorce and say, God was okay with it for me because that's just what it was. He understood I had a real problem. He hated it then. He hates it now. But that's life. He hated the adultery that took place between Bathsheba and David. But when it was over, he blessed them with a new baby. And that's the God we serve. God's not running around trying to hold stuff over our head till we die. Some people would make you believe that, but that's not who God is. But God is clear on who he is. I need you to understand who I am. You need to be able to say, God didn't like that, and I'm sorry about that, God, but you know what? I'm doing better with my life, and I want to try to pursue this relationship with you by doing what you say. Good. Okay, here we go. What kind of friend is it that don't forgive you? Who wants that? I mean, if I had anybody, a friend of mine, and they kept bringing up something that happened last week, that I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. And then we go talk about something. We're looking, you know, well, I mean, like last week. <laughs> you say last week, me one more time. I don't want to hear about last week no more. I thought we was through with that. No, you're through with it. That's what really ends up happening at some point. You're through with it, but for some reason they're not. And that's why Jesus said we can't be that way, but God is not. He buries that if we truly repent and come to God, he lets these things go and we can move on with our life. But we want to have a friendship with God. See, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't keep doing what I was doing if what I do leads to destruction in my life. In other words, if I have things that I'm doing that are not pleasing to God, I have to see it that way. I got to ask myself, I have to say, Holy Spirit, I really want to cultivate my relationship with you. 
then I would expect him to say something like, okay, well, first of all, I need you to pray. No, not that I'm not praying. I'm saying, but I think I'll, that would be one of the things he would say. Because the only way you and I are going to get to know each other, you're going to have to talk to me. And when you talk to me, and you don't have to keep filling the air up the whole time. Just talk to me and just listen and see what your heart is saying to you. And then see what the word says as you read it. And you may find that I will begin to speak to you about these different things. But the only way I'm going to speak to you is through here. So in other words, just like what was said a moment ago, let me see if I can give you uh, an example. I thought about it this morning. I was listening to a song that was talking about, you know, curses, you know, and they were talking about how, you know, being poor is a curse. Well, in the Old Testament, you know, God did say to the Israelites, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and I'll bless you, and you'll have this, you'll have that, you'll have the other. Got all that. But God never said that the person who was poor, by sake of being poor, was just a cursed person. Sure, we could say poverty is, was one of the curses, but when you step across the line and suggest that someone who's poor is cursed, that was where Jesus kept trying to make the Pharisees understand they were off. That's why he used the rich man and went to hell. Because in their minds, if you was blessed and had all that money, you had to be right with God. There was no way. And Jesus made it clear. That rich man ate good every day and died and looked straight up out of hell. And here was a poor man who was so poor, he couldn't even get medical attention. And when he died, he ended up in heaven. Now, that means then that God has, so what? So when we're on the street now, watch this, when we're on the street and we see somebody, the question becomes, how, what is my attitude? How do I feel? What do I think? Because this is what the Bible says now. This is what the Bible says. So if, if, if I'm praying, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, I want to get closer to you, Holy Spirit. And then all of a sudden you start sensing why you, you feel the way you do, why you sense things the way you sense them. Because the Holy Spirit is helping to minister to your heart in a way to understand what's important to him and how God sees things. So all of a sudden, now you start looking at poor people and you don't, you feel compassion. I mean, it, although you know that some of these people are in the position they're in because of decisions they made, maybe. That's not the point. Point is that there's a certain level of compassion that grows in your heart that's really not you. It's the Holy Spirit. And because he's like, and, and, and as you lean to him and lean into him, what you're doing is saying, I like you, man. I, I like you. You know, you, you, can, you care about people. You care about the people that nobody else cares about. And, and I want to hang out more with you. And then he says, okay, well, now I need you to go over there and minister to that particular person because that's what I want to do. But, of course, I can't personally do it in my hands. Now, again, remember what we said. It's not that God cannot get something done. If God needs to do it, he'll send an angel to get it done. But the point is that what? He allows us to participate with him. And when we do, he then gives us rewards. So now he's like, okay, we're friends, do this for me. Go over there and minister to this person, give them this, do this, do the other. And now it's not like you're doing it because, oh, let me just get this poor person something, get out of the way, as much as your heart really leans into this thing now, right? Because listen what the Bible says. This is what it says in uh, James chapter 2, and I'm going to read verse five, um, 5 through 9. This is what it says. Hearken, my beloved brethren, now, hearken. Hearken is like hawk the herald. Hawk. Listen, my beloved brethren. Hath not God, this is not a wonderment, this is a fact statement. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? 
Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convicted of the law as transgressors. So he's saying, every time you see somebody that's poor, God says, look, I have chosen the poor. Why are they rich in faith? Because they ain't got nothing. And many of them who choose God because whatever happened in their life, they may still be poor. And we keep going at them with this gospel that somehow suggests that you should never be poor if you got God, when the reality is they are. God says, I've chosen them. Their faith is rich in me. Don't despise them. He says, isn't it the rich people that's drawing y'all in? Where y'all think that judgment came from? You ain't pay your light bill. Ain't no poor man sent you that. You know, you, you, you just got sued. You about to get evicted. Ain't no poor man on your house that you renting. He says, these people are the ones who are judging and bringing in and putting the pressure on you when you, 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 you get your little credit card and they tell you pay us $35. For the 3000 you owe, and next month they charge you as much as $35 for interest on the money you owe. Who's doing that? Not poor people. But these people are the ones getting the respect, and they get this, and they that. And God's like, I'm not like that. I'm not against those people, even though I did say they're going to hardly get into heaven, many of them. Not because of what they're doing, but because what they put their trust in. They put their trust in money. They put their trust in finances. They put their trust in things. And Jesus said, hardly should a rich man even get into heaven because of his trust for these things. God says, I'm not like that. you got to really ask yourself the question. See, see, there would come a point where if you were cultivating, as you cultivate your friendship with God, certain things are going to start becoming like, you're going to not want to do them. You could be watching a movie. And all of a sudden, some scene come on the movie, and you're going to be like, oh, man, that ain't cool. Why? Because you know that ain't pleasing to God. Not because pastor said, here's the list this month of the movies you cannot watch. As members of JCILM, we don't watch this, 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 and this. And if you watch it, you're going to bust hell wide open. But that's okay. Go ahead. That's not what we're doing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your friend. In other words, would you invite your friend in to sit down next to you to watch this movie? And if you thought Jesus would be a little concerned about what you were watching, then you know the Holy Spirit is, right? But somehow we're able to just separate them out. You know, and, and it's not just doesn't have to be movies about sex. Think about a movie where somebody's uh, violently stabbing somebody to death. Just stab them, stab them, stab them. Blood running everywhere, stab them. And people are like, I love gory movies. Well, I'm just saying, you need to talk to the Holy Spirit about that. Because there's something that's not quite good about gore and blood and stabbing people. That's godly. I mean, can you imagine? Come on, Jesus. Let's watch a good movie together. And there they are, just, uh, 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 and you're like, oh, I love this scene. So, so and, and, and the only way I could keep thinking of it is this is why the Bible keeps comparing it to husbands and wives. Okay, this would be like me constantly saying to Lori, Lori, 
Okay, let's go watch, um, I don't know, I, I don't know, because I don't watch much TV at all, but, but let me say there's some, let's say there's a TV show or something, and there's some lady on there that I, I, I think is attractive. And I say, let's go, ooh-wee, hurry up. It's time for uh, 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 the GG show. And she'd be like. And I'd be like, see, that's, what, what's wrong? I mean, the woman on TV ain't like I like her. Well, why we always got to watch this show? And why are you always running to hurry up and get home to watch it? Well, I mean, I like the girl going to come out the TV. And that's not the point. The point is, you don't be running over here trying to look at me like that. Okay, let's flip it. Because I don't want women to think I'm trying to be sexist. And let's say there's a TV show called The Pool Man. And she always want to watch The Pool Man show. Okay, and I'm like, you know, he ain't never got his shirt on, right? You know, and <laughs> he got all kind of muscles everywhere, the pool man, right? And I'm like, okay. She's like, come on, hurry up, the pool man coming on, the pool man. I'll be like, <laughs> sooner or later, I'm probably going to throw something through the TV. She's going to say something, pool man going to strike some kind of pose. See, that? I like that. Uh-huh. I'll be like, pool man. Why? Because you want the attention of your significant other on you. You're not trying to hear about nobody else. You're not trying to think that they enjoy something that someone else presents that you ought to be presenting to them. Well, God is the same way, but God's not like us. God ain't pitching fits and God's not acting crazy. God just made it plain. This is who I am. And if you want me to be your God, you got to cultivate a friendship with me. So if there's something that you know I don't like, you should be on your knees saying, Lord, I don't know why I like this, but please take it away. I don't want to like this because I know you don't like it, and I want to cultivate my friendship with you. I want to be in a situation where when something go down, I can say, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, pow, and it happens. I want to be driving down the interstate, and if a big Mack truck just come out of nowhere and I scream, Jesus, I'm on the other side of it, and I don't even know how it happens. My friend done stepped in. You know, you, you want your friend to be there for you. And like the Bible says, God said, not by power, nor by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. In one place, God said, look, no weapon formed against you can prosper. He said, every tongue that even rises up against you in judgment, I'll condemn it. Can you imagine that? Somebody off talking about you somewhere, and God's like, look, trying to do everything he can to get them people straight, because if not, he says, I'm going to judge that. Wow, that's your friend. You don't need to follow nobody. You don't need to figure out what they're doing. You don't need to worry about what they're doing. But whatever they're doing, if it's going to be something to destroy your life, God says, don't worry, I got this covered. But he says, I'm the one that's got to be your friend. You know, that's the kind of friend I want. That's the friend I want. You know, people always say, you know anybody could help out with this. So you know anybody could help out with that. Well, I know I got people in high places. That's what you're supposed to say. I got a friend in high places. I mean, the highest place that could be. But I got to cultivate my friendship with him. That's like if some of y'all, one of y'all say, I don't like a particular person very much. And I say, well, do you talk to him? No, never have. Well, how you know you don't like him? Well, I, just the way they look. Whatever that means, let's say. Let's say, but that could be true. There could be something about the way somebody looks. That makes you not like them, so you don't want to hang out with them. Okay, got it, but that's my point. Think about it. 
See, see, think about it. Jesus is my friend. So this is why when I go places sometimes, I'm, I'm cognizant of what I look like. Because I say, he my friend. So if we can say, I ain't hanging out with you because you look like that. I cannot like you. How could God not look at me and say that? How could he not look and say, I thought you was my friend. Why you look like this? <laughs> all right, let, you know, let's say, all right, here we go. Let me, let me try this so I don't let y'all go crazy on me. Let's say we go on vacation, Sister Lori and I, and I get some little Speedos. <laughs> oh, boy. Like, like I wear it, right? Anyway, let's say if it's I could. I got a little Speedo. They just cut way up here. I ain't got no shirt on going to the pool. All right? Now, I just, for me, I just got a feeling God would probably be up there going, really? Come on, pastor. Now, what if you run into somebody out here you need to minister to? <laughs> somebody by the pool crying, and they just wailing their eyes out. Some, some guy, let's say, just wailing his eyes out. And I go over and I say, man, what, what happened? Man, my son, you know, something happened to him, or daughter, or whatever the case might be, and they're just wailing, crying, and bawling, and, and they're, they're a Christian. And, I, and I'm like, and they say something, and I say, man, you know you're a Christian? He says, yeah. And I said, well, I, I'm a... Don't mind my Speedos, but can I pray for you, brother? I mean, you know, it's just so not... It's off, kind of, you know? So typically when I go, you know, I got my little... Things on, you know, I'm on this shirt on, you know, I look like I'm going somewhere normal. That if I said, can I pray for you? They wouldn't look at me and go, man, you look like you belong, you know, poo boy too, you know what I'm saying? That's not what, you know, I know, no, you look like. You can present yourself to me, you know what I'm saying? I'm not telling y'all what to do though. See, this is why the Bible says when we really deal with God, you don't get no list of stuff from God. You find yourself saying, Okay, God, are you all right with this? He's going he to let you know. Now, the things he's going to be telling you, you're going to sense it, okay? And there's just something about it that ultimately when it's over, I remember one time, and if any of y'all got this, please don't at all take what I'm saying and run out here to my pal and say, I can't have that. I ain't say that. I remember one time my daddy, my daddy was raised a Baptist deacon. He was, and my grandfather was a preacher. We all preachers always in our family. And I remember pulling up one time to the house in a red truck. Boom! I had just bought it brand new. Daddy walked out and said, why do you have that? I said, excuse me? Why do you have that? I said, well, what's wrong? Son, you're supposed to be a preacher. Why are you riding around in that big red truck? In his mind, a big red truck just did not speak to pastor. Big red Spoke to, you know, let's do this. I'm about to get it. Not pastor. So that's why, you know, now I have my little black truck. I stick with black for the most part. And every now and then, you know, Chapman be joking around with me, talking about my last truck was like Mad Max. Um, it had some, 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 some mufflers on it, but they wasn't too loud. You might say, pastor, you can't constrict yourself like that. Right, but, but he's my friend. I'm trying, if I sense it, now I'm not telling you what to do, because he's your friend too. And see, y'all may have a different kind of relationship with each other. We know there are going to be some things that he's the same with all of us. But there may be some other things that he says, what, because you're not a pastor, actually. 
So there might be some things he might say to you, hey, go on, wear your little speedo, I guess. I don't know what he's going to tell you. But my point is that there are going to be some things that he may not. But if, if we really are interested in growing our relationship with Jesus, we have to cultivate our friendship with him. And, you know, and the only way we learn about him is through the word. It's like if you and I, if you wanted to be my friend, I wanted to be yours. The only way I could do it is I'd have to call you and we'd have to talk. And as time as we talk more and more, I'm going to determine whether or not I really want to keep talking to you. Because you're going to say enough or we're going to do enough with each other that as time goes on, we'll decide, ah, we're just not compatible in that sense. It doesn't mean that because you haven't talked to people, I haven't, times I haven't talked to my sister in months, you know, but that's not because she ain't my friend. Point is that what I'm saying is that through talking to people is how you come to know whether or not you, where you are with them, so to speak. There's some people I'll text them and the first thing I'll say is, how you doing my brother? Okay, well, that's because I feel that way about them, you know? I mean, I, I really do. And, and I think then that with Jesus, it's the same idea. So that what we want to begin to do as we continue to cultivate our relationship with him by understanding what his word says, then it doesn't become, oh, Lord, I got to do the Bible as much as I really want Jesus as a friend. And if I do, I begin then to say, what must I do to make this, to cultivate? What do I do to help it grow? What do I do to help it blossom? How do I do that? See, instead of just living and doing my thing, thinking that God is doing something to make my life blossom, he's not doing that. God is sitting waiting, the Bible says, for us to do things that what? Approach him and come to him. He's open all the time. But God's not running around trying to say, be my friend. Be my friend. We won't be my friend. No, God is up there saying, hey, if you want a friend, I'm here. But you got to be willing to do what I'm saying and come and cultivate a relationship with me because I'm not changing. He says, look, I'm the Lord. I changed not. I ain't never changed. I always been the same. I ain't met nobody made me change and ain't about to change. So if you want a friend, I'm here for you. I'll take care of your enemies. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of everything you ever need. I'll heal you. I'll bless you. I'll give you what you need in your life. I can do all of that, but I don't change. And I need you to get up here and to cultivate that relationship with me, but you got to want it like that. You know, you got to want it like that. I'm going to close with this, and, and I promise I will. There, when you're dealing with people, you can tell when people really, really, really either like you or they don't. In, in, in conversation with them, you can usually tell. I mean, we can kind of sense it. And I think that's the same thing when it comes to dealing with God. I think that if you look in the Word and ask yourself the question, do I really, 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 how do I feel about God? The Bible says this in James 2, 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God and was imputed to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed.